You're listening to the Salesforce Marketing Cloud podcast for the UK financial services community. Our aim is to let you know what's happening, when it's happening, and how you can get involved. We'll keep it short and in downloadable form so you can listen wherever you are. Hit subscribe to get notifications of new episodes, news, and announcements. I'm Miles. And I'm Jo. And we work for Salesforce in the UK. And if you couldn't already guess, all views expressed here are our very own. That's right. Don't base any purchasing decisions based on what we say. Just sit back, enjoy and learn. So what are we talking about today, Joe? Today, Miles, we are talking with one of our very own, the lovely Amon Burke, who's a customer transformation director. And we're going to discuss with her the impact to financial services companies regarding the new consumer duty regulation, which has come down from the FCA, which comes into force in July 2023. Brilliant. Um, I'm really excited about this one. It's something I'm talking to a lot of my customers about. I think one of my takeaways also as a, as a consumer is that it's about putting more responsibility on financial services companies to deliver better outcomes for their customers. So really interested to hear uh, what that means and how the financial services industry is responding. Um, so yeah, why, why don't you uh, go ahead and, and introduce yourself, man? Great, thank you. Hi there, I'm Aman. I'm an industry advisor across financial services here at Salesforce and have been leading on our point of view for consumer duty. I've been with Salesforce now for a year. Um, it was a year actually yesterday. Uh, but prior to that, I was working in operational and risk roles in various industries the last 10 years in financial services. I've worked in a variety of organisations. I started off at a building society, then went into consulting with Deloitte, then several years at Barclays with my last role at one of the UK's biggest neobanks, Monzo. Fantastic. And congratulations on your one year anniversary. Thank you. It only feels like yesterday, the first time I bumped into you and you were fairly new to the business. So at least I've been having fun. I hope the same can be said for you. Time has flown. Yes, it really, really has. Um, and something I do always like to ask is, what's your passion outside of work, Aman? Obviously, you're, you're clearly brilliant and very busy, but if you get a chance to de-stress, what do you like to do? So, uh, firstly, I love travelling. So, uh, during the pandemic, that was a bit of a struggle, <laughs> and it's been nice to be able to uh, you know, get, get abroad and get away. I was actually in Paris over the weekend, which was wonderful. I haven't been to Paris for years. Um, I think the other thing for me is spending quality time with my friends and family. I have a big family. I've got um, lots of nephews and a niece, uh, and they all live in the Midlands. So I tend to spend, uh, you know, sort of like at least one weekend uh, in in a month uh, down in the Midlands with them. Lovely. It's good to stay grounded and, and get out of your inbox. So yeah, and uh, I should be going off to Paris next year as well. It's been a long time since I've been. So yeah, fab. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's good to get to know you better. So in terms of what we're going to be discussing today, um, I know Miles gave us a, a quick summary of what the FCA regulation is intended for. Um, did, did he get that right? <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> but it would be great if you could expand on that for us. I think personally, uh, consumer duty has been a while coming. We've had similar principles, uh, but I think if you look really sort of like at the regulations, it's about bringing the customer at the heart of businesses. And the intention really is to uh, be more proactive in supporting them to meet financial goals, prevent foreseeable harms. Um, and I think I think uh, there's a real shift in thinking, which I, I'm actually personally excited about. 
the FCA have for the first time, I think, really given a clear indication of what their expectations are. They've defined four outcomes. Um, they've got an overarching principle and they've been very clear in terms of implementation timeframes. I think they've also been very proactive in coming out and sharing their initial thoughts on implementation plans, um, seeing you know where firms are do doing a good job so far where there's some gaps. And I think those early indicators and that early guidance, I think is really appreciated and haven't seen that happen previously from the FCA. So it's, it's a positive thing. So that's interesting. So in your experience of the FCA, then it's giving a lot more credence to the fact that they mean business this time round. That's the impression I'm getting from the way that you've put that across to us. I, I think, I think, um, that, They've given guidance before. Um, I, I think this is clear regulation, and I think that's a, a you know. But I think for me, it's the terminology and the regulations that's really shifted. And um, it's very much around firms having to act to deliver good outcomes, whereas previously, I think it was a lot of preventing, not necessarily even preventing. It's more around identifying issues and fixing them and being aware of them. So I think just the terminology, to, you know, they have to act to deliver good outcomes. I think that's a real right. shift in thinking. Yeah. So going back to the four outcomes that you mentioned, can you share what they are? So if I, if I start off with the overarching principle, which is a firm must act to deliver good outcomes for retail customers. And underpinning that are three cross-cutting cross rules and then four outcomes. The cross-cutting rules are acting in good faith towards retail customers, avoiding causing foreseeable harm to retail customers, and enabling and supporting retail customers to pursue their financial objectives. And then sitting beneath that is four outcomes where the FCA have provided more detailed guidelines around expectations. So the first is products and services. And a lot of this is uh, around identifying your target audience and uh, understanding their needs and requirements when you design your products and services. So there's some responsibility on firms to then assess whether their actual market matches their target audience, because if they don't, you're potentially mis-selling products that weren't designed for a particular audience. So really important to understand who that target audience is and then design your pro products and services accordingly. The second is around price and value. Um, are customers getting fair value for, uh, for what they're paying? And I'm not sure this has necessarily always been a focus for businesses. You launch product with a pricing value, uh, but you're not necessarily assessing uh, that fair value throughout um, the product life cycle. And that's, that, that is a new requirement. And it's not just limited to a B2C. It's also if you've got distributors. So you have to ensure that anything that's added through the distribution cycle, into, including fees and charges, are also taken into account in terms of their value. The third one is consumer understanding. I think this is a really interesting one because it covers ensuring communications meet inf uh, information needs of customers. And uh, a lot of feedback we've had is how will you know if a customer actually understands communications? And some of it is about getting quite creative. So like many of us, I mean, I do it myself. You you have terms and conditions. You scroll down to the bottom and you tick that box. Um, Most definitely and, ignore the small, yeah. small print, look for the and, box and move on. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, have I really understood uh, what I'm signing? And I think a lot of this is around one, 
uh, sense checking. You know, for example, you can using analytics, you can work out how, how long somebody stays in that section of, sure. of the sort of like uh, web, web page. And, and then if they've spent two minutes and it should take them 20 minutes, you know that at some point you're probably going to have to give them prompts or reminders or create some friction in that process. But also I think particularly when it comes, and I've seen this example, it's happened to me personally in like the insurance space, when a person is making a claim or going through a process, giving them that remind the reminders at the right point. So uh, I might have read those terms and conditions three years ago. I then now make a claim and at that point I should be reminded around some of the terms and conditions, some of the exclusions. So it's building that into the process as well. So you've got the prompts, the reminders and the nudges. And then the fourth area is consumer support, which is very broad. It's, it, you know, it's um, designing and delivering support in a way that meets the needs of retail customers. And this could be, the scope is pretty big here, but I think focusing on high-risk journeys, particularly around vulnerability and complaints management, making sure that there's not friction in those processes, but also how do we really get into get to understand your customers so you can predict and prevent and support them when they need it. And we can talk a bit more about that later on in the in a sort of like the conversation. Fantastic. I mean, there's so much there that I know is going to make a marketer's ears prick up in terms of their responsibility. So the first regulation that you highlighted was really centered around knowing your audience and making sure that the product matches who you're targeting. So if your marketing team aren't working closely with product today, which I'm sure they are, they most definitely need to be doing that tomorrow. So the mantra for any marketer is segment target position. So if you don't know who your audience is and you're not clear on that product, then then maybe there's work to be done there. I mean, it's an interesting thing that's going to need to be audited and regulated. But ultimately, I suppose it's on on the duty of the marketers to demonstrate that you're aware of that requirement and taking it seriously. From a marketing perspective, I think there's several considerations. I think the first is segmentation of data, like you said, Joe. Mm -hmm. uh, do you understand your customer base? You know, have you got target audience characteristics of vulnerability across your customer base? Do you understand them? And then um, as you build picture of your customer through interactions and activities, how can you get more proactive in providing tailored marketing uh, journeys and support? So anticipating their needs and offering them help through the channels of choice. So setting up tailored marketing journeys based on on what you know of the customer and then intervening at the right time. And um, I've seen some great sort of like uh, demos on this, which really bring it to life. And I think the third area which touches on the consumer understanding element is looking at transparency of terms and conditions, pricing information. And I think, again, all of that sits um, in the marketing team. Absolutely. What do you think, what do you think are some of the biggest barriers uh, for, for teams to get compliant with the new regulations? What do you think are going to be some of the common themes that uh, our customers and financial services customers are going to struggle with? Okay, I, I can I can go through this. So I think uh, I think the the biggest area uh, or challenge that we've seen to to this point, and I think moving forward, uh, those challenges will change uh, over time as you try to embed. But I think the biggest challenge so far, I think, has been the data. So um, we have companies that have rafts of data. They've got you know data everywhere. Um, 
but it could be sitting on different applications. We've seen sort of like some organizations with a thousand applications. And um, it's how do you how do you pull your how do you actually bring all of that data together? Because you know, you have to you're gonna have to standardize your data and bring it into one place to really enable you to implement consumer duty and the spirit of consumer duty and enable you to get much more proactive and predictive um, moving forward as well. So I think that has been and we've heard that, you know, from customers, we've heard that a lot in terms of the data and the analytics. I think that's probably what been one of the key challenges. Um, so unifying customer data into one place, so it can be segmented, you can provide this uh, supported marketing journeys, you can enable proactive interventions, and also support internal and external reporting. Yeah, so, so true. I mean, I, I see so many, uh, so many companies out in the market struggling with the age old question of a, a single view of the customer, you know, there's six or seven people that might be the same person, we're not quite sure because of that, that technology landscape. And I think that's going to become sharp focus throughout this. Yeah. I think there is, and I'm going to, you know, sort of like just throw this out there. I think there is also uh, a second challenge is, um, you know, how far do we take it? You know, that kind of, uh, it's got to be a proportionate approach. Um, and for some smaller organizations, it, you know, we'll be balancing probably looking at the high risk journeys rather than across everything. So I think that proportionality of approach, I think has been a real challenge for companies as well. And some for the larger, larger companies, if you look at the larger banks, for example, this is a huge program of work. Um, the, de the deadline is going to be, again, a challenge. Um, I think I think there's recognition and acceptance that they're not going to get everything completed by the end of July. But a lot of it's around uh, focusing on where the high risks are, prioritizing effectively and having plans in place post July to continue the work as well. And I think the overriding factor in all of this, the reason it's being done, whilst it's a challenge for businesses to accommodate this new regulation, ultimately it's to the betterment of businesses because it's just going to increase customer trust in those brands. Yeah, I think um, uh, if why is it important? Why is why is all mm -hmm. of this important? I, th I for me personally, let's look beyond the regulation to the spirit of the regulation, mm -hmm. uh, and that's all about consumer protection. It's putting customers at the heart of the business, working with them to support them meet their financial goals, but also prevent foreseeable harms, build those trusted, connected relationships. This really shouldn't be something we have to do. It's, it should be something we want to do. Yeah. Because from a business perspective, there are huge benefits. And what you said, Joe, is, is just you know sort of like spot on. If you connect with your customers and provide the support they need when they need it, it builds trust. This results in retention and advocacy, which leads to growth. I also think another big sort of benefit for businesses, when you look back at what's happened over the last 10, 15 years in the industry, that we've had, you know, sort of like mis-selling claims at, at such a large scale, which could have been avoided. And I think compliance will enable companies to step ahead of foreseeable harms. Um, I mean, these, these claims have come with a huge cost to businesses, with not only compensation payments, but remediation programs. PPI itself costs the industry £50 billion. It's huge. Wow. Now, if we're assessing suitability at a point of change, uh, which is what would be the expectation of consumer duty. This will avoid claims further down the line. So I think I think there's some huge benefits for businesses to to be taking this seriously. And that's a, a great point. What what if a business doesn't take it seriously? What what I mean I know that you don't have a crystal ball, but what might be the consequences? Uh, I'd probably say why would you even think of not taking this seriously? Sure. <laughs> 
I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the FCA has given a clear indication that they're taking this very seriously. There's a clear, clear message from them. They have for the first time already shared initial feedback. I haven't seen them do that before. Doing nothing for me personally will attract FCA scrutiny and with that comes potential reputational damage. But I also think that firms that don't take this seriously will lose to those who do. Um, they will have, uh, you know, those that will, will have more of a competitive edge. Customers, you've seen this, customers don't shy away from moving from financial providers. It's made much easier with the rise of fintechs. It's easy to onboard elsewhere and, and leave. So there's a risk that you'll lose, lose customers. So I think from a reputational perspective and from a, a retention perspective, I think it's really critical. So Salesforce is a technology company first and foremost. Uh, how much can technology solve the problem and how are institutions using technology to solve the problem? Um, I think I see Salesforce as an enabler for implementation. And um, what we've done, uh, we've developed a point of view, but we've identified four key areas which we saw as thematic concerns from customers where we think Salesforce can help with implementation. So the first, and we've already uh, touched on this with data and analytics, you know, we, we can support the unification of customer data into one place and support with the segmentation, the analytics. Things like centralized dashboards that pull you know, all relevant metrics into one place. We can look at um, embedded controls through automation. Uh, one of the key things that we're hearing from customers, how do you actually monitor good outcomes? And a huge amount of reliance is, is placed on quality assurance uh, frameworks and manual controls. And, and they're great, but they're, they are you know, end of process uh, reviews. They're, they're time consuming. Uh, I've managed quality assurance processes in the past. And, you know, you do you do the reviews at the end of a month and then they're already a month behind. By the time you've done the analytics and fed it back into the business, you're looking at about two to three months before you have action plans. And if you can embed controls uh, through automation of processes, you get real time feedback. And if you get real time feedback, you can fix issues before they impact other customers. You can also get creative on data points. So you go beyond the normal metrics of uh, complaints and quality assurance. So things like transactional data or text voice analytics to identify issues before, they, before the customer actually shares the issues with us. Um, so I think I think from a data and analytics perspective, that's an area that we can really support with. I think the second area, and Miles, I think you touched uh, touched on this earlier, is that single view of a customer. Um, Salesforce is all about the 360 view, and really enabling. Um, agents to see where the customer is on a journey and they can provide that seamless supported journey and it's not necessarily even just uh, for vulnerable customers but it's across all your customer base and uh, i mean i've seen i'll give you an example around vulnerability there's been so many occasions which i've experienced when i was in operations where a customer with a vulnerability had to repeat their story several times mm. um, but with a single view of customer vulnerabilities and adjustments are accessible to any agent who speaks with the customer conversations can be transcribed from voice to text so they're always recorded and there's a record without the need to re revisit so, uh, circumstances you can also enable through segmentation of data uh, proactive and tailored messages you can build connected experiences uh, from what they're seeing on logging uh, screens to being connected to an agent to next best action and follow-up they all mm -hmm. become seamless quick and effective and, I, and you know i've also seen some some great demonstrations around supporting uh, the agent 
at that point in time as well because again i've seen i've experienced this where agents are trained on managing vulnerabilities but they only only actually experience those um situations sort of like once every like maybe two months and they forget the training and actually if you can have pop-ups and reminders and prompts for your agents it just enables them as well to deliver that you know right outcome in, in the you know sort of like in that moment rather than having to escalate or transfer or you know sort of like a promise to call the customer back so it's that providing that seamless experience and quick service um, and so guided flows built-in nudges reminders all of that i think can really enable a better experience a better omni-channel experience I think the other there, there's a couple of other areas that we're exploring. Uh, the third one is proactive engagement. How do you predict and prevent rather than react and fix? I think um, you know we've seen we've seen the use of um, machine learning, artificial intelligence to really extract data from from the systems and to understand when things are about to happen and enable um, enable companies to step into that space before it does. So things like a change of circumstances could trigger, um, you know, sort of like or impact suitability of a product. So take, for example, um, a customer who, who changed their name because they're divorced, mm -hmm. um, but they have a joint account. You know, could we could we step in and sort of like offer support early on rather than waiting for them to come and contact us because there could be a time lag they might not think about it so you know could we map sort of or match uh, key data points so we say you know at that point we just trigger a message to them to say you might need to review your existing accounts because of the change of circumstances so you're actually stepping into the space and making it easier for them to understand and acknowledge that something needs to needs to be done or reviewed and then we've got the last area which is culture and mindset this is not a tick box exercise it has to be embedded into the culture of the organization it has to be weaved into the organization at all levels so how can we support everybody within the business to understand what their roles and responsibilities are so things like training tools knowledge tools prompts even capturing feedback um, and you know looping it into the business quickly i think is really key do your frontline staff know what consumer D2E is and what their roles and responsibilities are? Uh, are you listening to customer feedback? Are you getting it and, and weaving it back into the business? Do you have closed loop feedback at all levels? And these are all things that need to be considered by business and things that Salesforce technology can support with. Clearly a very loaded question and a fantastic answer. Thank you. <laughs> and they're all, they're all connected because you can't have the culture if it's not easy to do. And the enabler piece is, is very true. You know, the data, the data has to be easy, interoperable between different systems. It has to be accessible. If you get that foundational piece right, it's just so many use cases like the examples you gave, which are fantastic. So, um, yeah, lo love that answer. Thank you. So the thing that um, came to my mind as you were explaining all of this around the consumer duty regulation is it's ultimately about ensuring you're going to give the optimal customer experience and just truly put your customer first. So everything that feels ethical and right is what you need to put in place, if that's a fair summary. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think, you know, if you want to really simplify this, it is putting uh, the customer at the heart of businesses and building those trusted, connected relationships. And that, that's a win for all of us because in some way shape or form we're all customers of these companies so so good work by the fca yeah. <laughs> Amen. thank you so much for coming along and sharing all of that with us today so much amazing information that i think i might have to listen to this back a few more times to fully absorb it all but thank you for coming on the show today we really do appreciate it it's been lovely oh, talking to you thank you